It may be the place where you grew up. It may be the place where your parents live. It may be where you went to school. It may be where you played high school sports, where you had your first date, where that place from where you sprouted wings and ultimately left to find your place in the world. But regardless of where you're from, regardless of where you grew up, we can all relate to this idea of crawling back in to a geographical womb, this place we call home. It may be going home to a family reunion. Those are always a lot of fun, amen? <laughs> it could be that you're going back for a high school class reunion. It could be just a, a get-together, or it could be a homecoming. What we want you to know today is, is that even if Bethel Baptist Church is not your hometown, not your home church, even if your home as a child was less than the best, even if your home life today is in shambles, even if your family is being challenged today by overwhelming odds, we want to invite you today to hang your hat for a little while and crawl back in to this geographical womb and call this place your home. So whether you're coming, whether you're going, whether you're already there, we have this simple message for you today. And that is, welcome home. It's time to celebrate homecoming. Amen? Give the Lord a hand. Amen. Friends, in the New Testament book of Hebrews, the author was writing to some people who were crushed. He was writing to some people who had endured all manner of persecution and were considering going back to the Jewish faith and forgetting all about Christianity. They were discouraged, and life had trampled them. Life had trampled them to the point of rejecting Jesus. Have you been discouraged by this life? You got some physical things going on? some emotional things going on, perhaps some relational things going on, and, and you just feel downright trampled? Have you ever been trampled to the point where you feel like just throwing in the towel, just giving up? Have you ever been stabbed in the back by somebody, somebody that called you a friend, maybe even here at church? You know, I run into trampled people all the time. And so did the writer to Hebrews. So, how, how does one encourage somebody who has been trampled by this life? To encourage a group of trampled Christians, the writer of Hebrews chapter 11 provided them, and he provides us, with a kind of spiritual homecoming. He gathers together the names of those who have faithfully passed on the legacy of faith to the next generation. He reflects on the lives of these heroes, these heroes of the faith. He invites us to consider their faith. 
even though it meant great personal sacrifice to them. And then right smack in the middle of him writing about all these heroes, the author pauses. And he begins to share five spiritual qualities that these heroes possessed that helped them on their journey home. Read with me in Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 13. He says, these all, all these heroes, they died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them far off, were assured of them, embraced them, confessed them, and confessed that they were but strangers and pilgrims on this earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind the country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. The first spiritual quality that these heroes possessed that I want your attention to be drawn to is that these heroes possessed confidence. There in verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but had seen them far off and were assured of them. They had assurance of them. All these heroes died with unfulfilled dreams but they were absolutely confident that God would keep his word because they did not die in rebellion. They died in faith. And that being the case, they knew that God had promised a better place to live, a greater place to live. And that thought, that truth, that promise was deeply engraved in their heart. And they dreamed of that place where they would never again experience sin, where they would never again experience separation from God, where they would never again experience death. But they never had the joy of seeing that dream fulfilled. Nevertheless, down to their dying breath, they died with complete confidence that God would keep his promises and would assure them. As people of faith, you and I need to have the same quiet assurance, the same confidence that these people had, that God is going to take care of me. Do you know that, friend? God is going to take care of you. No matter what's trampling you today, God has got you. He's got your back. He's going to take care of you. He's watching over you. Your dreams may go unfulfilled. Your plans, they may be a bust. But God is going to take care of his own children. He's going to take care of his own, even though you may feel like life is trampling you. You may not see it. You may not see the fulfillment of your dreams. But nevertheless, you must persist in the faith and even die in the faith. Knowing that Revelation chapter 21 verse 3 is true. Where the word of God says, I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, 
Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor pain, nor crying for the former things, friend, have passed away. That promise is to you. See, these heroes possessed confidence. But these heroes also possessed and maintained a testimony. There at the end of verse 13, it says not only were they assured of them, but they embraced them and they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. You see, these heroes, these heroes were much like you. These heroes hung out with groups of people that took a stand. They took a stand in stark contrast to the world around them. The values and priorities that these people had were not the values and priorities of the nations that surrounded them. They were different people. They were different because they believed in Jesus. This world was not their home. They were pilgrims passing through. They were sojourners. They belonged to another world. And they lived their lives in obedience to God who was going to bring that world to pass. They refused, friend, like we must refuse to get ensnared by the temporary things of this world. Don't let the temporary things of this world get a grip on you. Never allow yourself to get so comfortable in this life because you don't belong here. This place is not your home. This is a temporary, temporary residence. That phrase, strangers and pilgrims, appears many times throughout the Bible. In the Old Testament, the patriarchs used that phrase in 1 Chronicles 29 when David spoke and said, Now therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I? Who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer as willingly as this? For all things come from you and of your own we have given you. For we are strangers and pilgrims before you. As were all of our fathers and our days on earth are but a shadow. Peter reiterated that phrase, strangers and pilgrims. In 1 Peter 2.11, he said, Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and pilgrims, sojourners, abstain from sinful desires which war against your souls. What was he saying there? He was saying, people of faith maintain their testimony. Stay true to who you are. You don't belong here. You are not your own. You don't belong to this world. You belong to God. Therefore, live as a godly woman. Live as a godly man because you belong to him. Yes, we enjoy the blessings of these, this world. We enjoy all the blessings that God has given us, but we take a stand when we allow those things to control us. Things cannot control us. People of faith just have a different set of priorities. Their language is different. 
Why? Because their sights are fixed squarely on the eternal. This is not your home. This is not your home. Say that with me. This is not my home. Let us remember that. These heroes possessed the confidence. These heroes maintained a testimony. But these heroes also sought a homeland. Look there in verse 14. For these who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. A homeland. These sojourners, these pilgrims, oh, they wanted to go home. All they could think about, their hearts were fixed on heaven. That's all they wanted to do was go to heaven. Their citizenship was there, not here. All they wanted to do was go home. That's what motivated them. That's what spurred them on and kept them going on in the faith. But you know, if you think about it, from Genesis on, the scriptures never allow us to lose sight of the fact that this life is a journey. How many times have you heard that Christianity is not a destination? It's a journey. Friend, you're not going to get there this side of heaven. Heaven is home. Amen? So look at what the Bible does. The Bible is nothing but one huge travel story with God intervening all throughout. It begins in the Old Testament with individuals like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph journeying from one place to the next looking for home. Looking for that spiritual home. And then it progresses as the nation of Israel journeyed into Egypt thanks to Joseph. And then journeyed out of Egypt thanks to Moses. And then journeyed for 40 years in the wilderness thanks to their complaining. Can I get a testimony? Amen. What were they? They were groups of believers taking a stand. Taking a stand against the culture and society that had risen up in the world that was so anti-God. They eventually had to journey into captivity because they wouldn't listen to the prophets that said, Hey, you guys need to change. They wouldn't listen. And then their offspring would eventually journey back home again under Nehemiah's leadership. And then we get to the New Testament. What do we see? The idea of life being a journey continues. The Son of God, Jesus, journeyed from heaven to earth. He took a journey. After that, the Bible says that the Word of God became flesh and dwelt with us. Journeyed, if you will. Journeyed with us. His parents were on a journey when he was born to keep him alive. They had to journey into Egypt, after which he had to journey to Nazareth. From there, Jesus journeyed from place to place to place, preaching the gospel good news, sharing parables about prodigal sons who wandered away off and then journeyed back again. From there, Jesus would journey to Jerusalem where his work would be finished. All that was required to save your soul would be finished on the cross of Christ. And then he would journey back to heaven again. But that wasn't all. From there, he called the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, one of his chief spokesmen to take three missionary journeys 
to share the good news. See, as people of faith, we need to realize that we're on a journey. You're not there yet. You're on a journey. Your husband, he's on a journey. Your wife, she's on a journey. She's not there yet. People of faith realize that this life is one little piece of the journey. That leads on into eternity. This world, friend, is not your home. Don't get comfortable here. This is not your home. This is only a temporary residence. So enjoy your homecoming. Hey, this is great. We're getting ready to eat, and y'all know I don't like to eat. But don't get too comfortable here. Because you ain't home yet. You're not home yet. You're on a journey. You're not home yet. And just like these heroes, they sought a homeland. But they also focused on heaven. Look in verse 15. And truly, if they had called to mind the country from which they had come out, they would have had an opportunity to go back to return. But now they desire a better. That is a heavenly country. See, they didn't just anticipate heaven. But they evaluated the things of earth in relationship to heaven. You're on a journey. And you have to evaluate how you're living in light of eternity. Looking at the things which are seen. They quickly figured out that they're temporary. Hey, friend, everything in your house will perish. Everything you've got will ultimately fade away. All that that you're working so hard for, that bank account, that 401, that nice crib you're living in, guess what? It's all fading away. So they said, why would we give our lives for temporary things? That doesn't make any sense. Why would I give my life for a temporary thing? To seek after something that's fleeting. Man, that's a waste of time. That's a waste of ability. And these heroes never, ever looked back. They kept their sights fixed on home. Home. Say that with me. Home. As a person of faith, let me ask you this question. Do you have the ability... Do you have the ability to distinguish between temporary and eternal? I know you do. It's not rocket science. The bigger question is, where is your focus? Things that are temporary, that are fading away, or is your focus on things that are eternal and will last forever? These heroes, they focused on heaven. 
But finally, this morning, these heroes also trusted their God. Look at the end of verse 16. They says, the Bible says, Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a place, prepared a city for them. Sojourners, pilgrims, you got to admit, man, sometimes life is hard. Man, this pilgrim life that we're living, it'll take a toll on you. It's hard life sometimes, especially when that pilgrim takes a stand. When people of faith begin to take a stand against the sinful culture we live in. When people of faith begin taking a stand against the wicked society that calls evil good. Be expecting what's coming to you, friend. You're going to be rejected. You're going to be rejected. When you take a stand as a pilgrim, a person of God, a person of faith, when you take a stand, you're going to be ostracized by society. You're going to be rejected because they don't want no part of that life. Sinners going to sin, amen? Right? But people of faith, they stand to inherit God's provision. They stand to inherit all of God's goodness. That's what you get for trusting God. Amen? You get everything God wants you to have. You get everything God wants you to have. So the way that these heroes of faith finish their journey, man, I don't know about you, but it challenges me. It challenges me, it convicts me, it, it confronts me, it, it even rebukes me. But most of all, you know what it does? It inspires me. It inspires me. This writer was urgently trying to persuade the Hebrew readers, don't turn back. Don't turn from your faith in Jesus. Just keep your focus on home. Because that's where he is. That's where Jesus is. So as I always do with a passage that's such beautiful like this, is I ask myself questions. I say, well, how do these heroes impact me? I mean, they lived a long, long time ago. How do these heroes impact me? What difference did these guys make in my life? Well, first of all, they challenged me where I put my trust. They challenge you. Where do you put your trust? You know, I'm reminded of a hero that was described as blameless, upright, one who feared God and shunned evil. You know who I'm talking about. Job. Job. Job didn't know what in the world was going on in his life. He had no clue why he was suffering like he was. But in Job 13, 15, he speaks a word of encouragement to you, a word of encouragement to me. And he says, though God may slay me, yet still I will trust him. What was he saying? He's saying, God, I may go to my grave without knowing what in the world has gone on in this life. Father, I may go to my grave and not know why. All this has happened to me. But I want you to know something, God. You are my only hope. 
You're my only hope. And if I die, I'm going to die believing in you, convinced that you are God, and believing and obeying you and you alone. These heroes challenge where you put your trust. But these heroes also confront your apathy. If you're anything like me, we all get lazy. We all get lazy in our faith. Instead of rolling with the status quo, these heroes were bold. Made bold confessions of their faith in God. They were rejected. They were disgraced because of what they stood for. They were rejected for their viewpoint on life. They were rejected uh, about their, their views and their values. You know, if you're not rejected, if you're not ostracized by society, maybe you're fitting in too well. That's what I wonder. Maybe I'm fitting in too well. Many of these heroes were, re were trampled by life. Trampled by life, yet they remain faithful. Focused on home. Does any of that sound familiar to you? Jesus said, blessed are you when they insult you and mistreat you and say all kinds of evil, sour junk against you falsely in my name. Blessed, rejoice, and be exceedingly glad because that's the way they treated the prophets who came before you. We were talking about in our life group this morning of the wickedness that was going on in the world before the flood. And as I read the Bible about all that wickedness and all that filthy evil that was going on, I don't read anything that was any different than today. But God saved, God saved humanity through a righteous man and his wife and his family. And the question we posed in our life group was, would God save humanity through you and your spouse? Are you living a life that honors God in a way where God would save all of humanity because of how you are living? Let us not be apathetic. Let us not be lazy. But they also, these heroes, they rebuke our materialism. You have to admit, most people live as if this world was the only world. Amen? That's how people live. Maybe many of us live that way too. But our heroes of the faith, they challenge that kind of thinking. They challenge that theory. They rejected the lifestyle that comes along with that kind of thinking. That thinking that says... Well, you know what? If this world is all there is, then I better grab as much of life as I can while I can. You know people like that? You know family members like that? You know church family members like that? I believe we all do. But our heroes of the faith, they called for a simpler lifestyle. A lifestyle that challenged where we put our trust and confronted our laziness and even rebuked our materialism because they knew that to God, listen carefully, people are more important than things. People are more important than things. 
Finally, and we'll close today, these heroes, they inspire our obedience. Don't know about you, but I needed some inspiration. When my life tramples me, and I get down and I get discouraged, I need to be inspired. I need to be built up. I need to be lifted up. I need to be encouraged. And I pray that God will help me to live my life for the things that really matter. I pray that God will help me hand down a legacy of faith to our children. of the world to come, not this temporary resident you're living in. Friends, if you would, close your eyes for a, a moment. Because I want you to envision something. God, I want you to say something. I want you to say from the
Father, he's your son. He's our master. And we thank you for so uncomplicated giving him to us so we can enjoy the glory of Jesus. Father, there may be those in the room right now that are honest with themselves. They really don't have a place they can call a heavenly home because they've never given their life They've never devoted their lives to Jesus. They've never called Jesus their Lord and Master. Father, we pray that today would end all that. And that, Lord, they would come running and wrap their arms around Jesus and be able to hear those incredible, loving words, welcome home. And, Lord, there also may be those who are just like me, who for 17 years Thank you.